Welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined by my co-editor, Catherine Rubino. Hi there, Joe Patrice. Hello, hello. You know, we we talk a lot on this show. That is literally the only thing we do is talk. That that you know, that's that's probably yeah, fair. I mean, well, it's not just us. It's it's the entire podcast genre. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's a it's a talky genre. But I feel like we should, off the top, uh, offer, I guess, a weird form of quasi-apology. We recently... I apologize for nothing! <laughs> it's fair. And and I'm not altogether sure... I don't I, even know what we're apologizing for here. So. I'm not even altogether sure we should apologize for this, but we did spend a good deal of time on a recent podcast mm-hmm. making fun of people who call themselves doctor just because they're lawyers. Oh, we did. Um, we did. And we stand by lawyers not being doctors, but apparently... The whole idea of not calling yourself a doctor has become a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we're talking about the recent Wall Street Journal op-ed that said that uh, Jill Biden should not go by doctor. However, it is very clear that we disagree with this this yeah. op-ed. I mean, this is this is a fun little op-ed, right? It is it is anti-intellectualism masquerading as misogyny. So yeah. super fun. Well, and it's not a, it's not. I mean. It's not necessarily anti-intellectual in that he himself is is a professor. But he does not have a doctorate, right? It's a it's a guy who teaches with right. a bachelor's degree and is like, if I can do it, yeah. And it really what I mean, if you actually look at it, what I think this is actually is uh, somebody who has to deal with doctors, PhDs, people who've written doctorates in their job is very resentful that they don't get to be called doctor even though they quote unquote do the same job. So he has a bee in his bonnet that some people do the academic work to be called doctor and Jill Biden is just the latest of folks that he's decided to pursue this anti-intellectualism bullshit with. Well, so now here's a question uh, on that subject and I think you're more or less right, but- (laughs) Honorary doctorates, what do you do with those? They are not doctors. Interesting. I mean, like, at the actual ceremony where they get it, sure, doctor. But you can't then go around saying that I, no. Okay, yeah. And I don't think many people who get honorary doctorates do. Yeah. Go around saying that they they have this. Makes sense. Anyway, but yes, we do stand by our PhD friends being able to call themselves doctors. Yes. Yes, and and literally in our original episode about why lawyers should not be called doctors, we said we talk a lot about how writing a doctorate dissertation is actually something worthy of being called doctor, and getting a JD from right. Well, and, and I pushed back and said that, like to some extent, the JD may may actually be a scholarly accomplishment along the same lines as some PhDs, but that does not change my reasoning that lawyers are not doctors and those folks are lawyers are not doctors. But yeah. But yeah, anyway, since this blew up uh, and we had just gone on the air with uh, a <laughs> diatribe about not calling yourself doctor, we felt a little yeah. bit. Yeah, no, I mean, people who have doctorates can call themselves doctor. Yeah. Right? Uh, other, lawyers yeah. lawyers cannot. Juris doctors cannot. Juris, though, that's horse hockey. Yeah. I like that horse hockey as a... I know. Yeah, I, I, I've heard you say it before. You know, though, um, <laughs> we have quite the show uh, lined up to uh, talk about, you know, interesting to-dos in the law. First off, though, let's thank, uh, we have a bunch of sponsors these days, which is exciting. So thanks to LexisNexis, Contract Tools, Lexicon, you'll be hearing more from them throughout the show. Uh, actually, at this point, maybe you'll hear from Lexicon right now. 
Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com slash go to learn more. So, interesting news. We started talking about Jill Biden and her PhD. Let's move to a new announcement. Uh, this is our breaking news. I don't know. I don't have a typewriter sound effect. Like uh, you don't know breaking news. news? I don't. I don't. I don't think what about I have shattered a, glass. Uh, no, I've got car crash. I guess that's kind of like a breaking news thing. <laughs> Yeah, breaking news. Well, because it's broken? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, breaking news that we have is that, you know, we, much as we followed Tiffany Trump's travails through law school, Naomi Biden, the granddaughter of the soon-to-be, actually within, they're voting in the Electoral College now, so I guess really soon, president, will be joining the ranks of big law. Yeah. She will be going to Arnold and Porter to work in Big Law. She's been at Columbia Law School, you know, the, the that kind of cow college up city. You know what an elitist jerk you sound like when you criticize Columbia Law School for not being elite enough? I mean, it's. it's I mean, listen, and, and, and to be clear, dear listeners, it's the a reason, cross, cross city rivalry. It, it's. Because I went to Columbia, right? right? And and you think that this is some cute little banter that we've had for... The, the whole time we've been working here, yeah. Longer. But <laughs> but you think it's cute. And because you went to a lesser law school than I did. I mean, NYU was ranked higher while I was there. Not the entirety of the time you were there, <laughs> first of all. Second of all, overall, Columbia... Over the course of history, Columbia has ranked and continues to rank higher than NYU. And you sound like an elitist jerk every time you make a dig at Columbia being lesser. So anyway, as we're discussing Naomi Biden here, and you decided to go off on your own insecurities. Um, <laughs> so, You're such a jerk. So she'll be... So anyway... <laughs> Naomi Biden will be joining Arnold Porter, which obviously is a large lobbying firm. Hopefully, she is not going to be used as a lobbyist. Uh, she, she can't be, right? That would be my hope. I, uh... I, I gotta, I gotta think. I mean, listen, she's she's right out of law school, right? She just graduated mm -hmm. this past year, so I mean, I imagine she's doing some generic kind of work before yeah. she gets into lobbying. Yeah. Right. Does anybody go into lobbying? <laughs> Does anybody go into lobbying right out of law school? That seems like a bold move. It seems to me like something people get into later well, in their I think, career. I mean I mean they're lobbying associates, right? Like like as a practice yeah, area, it's I actually it's fascinating true. because we think of it a lot as PR work. Because mm -hmm, uh, it is. Well, I, I, that's certainly part of it. But on the, the legal side of it, there's lots of research that goes into saying, like, this is what, if you change the law in this way, it would have these effects, and it wouldn't be bad because of this, and it would be constitutional because of this. And, like, there's there's legal work that goes into that practice area. Sure. Anyway, we will be uh, following the, uh, the first lawyer, as uh, I guess we'll start calling her internally here. I mean, is that what we call Tiffany Trump? I don't think I did. Did, did I, you? Yeah. But well, because the other alternative for first off. lawyer was Don McGahn, and uh, we don't want to do that. Oh, my God. I can't um, with him. 
Don, yeah, no, he's uh, Don McGann is now apparently trying to sue the Pope. Is that the deal? No, not not quite. He represents the D.C. Archdiocese against D.C.'s regulations, uh, pandemic relations, saying that you know six hundred and fifty thousand Catholics have had their rights impinged upon. Be- oh, which is horseshit. I said it the real version yeah. that time, but uh, also because literally right after the Brooklyn diocese tried to sue over the same thing, the Pope came out like the next day and was like, hey, you guys, you don't have to go to church during a pandemic. Right. Yeah. No, it, the, the Pope's actually said that he yeah. disagrees with so, his I mean, it's successful also, yeah, uh, Brooklyn it was, it was ultimately successful because, you know, the Supreme Court is a broken institution. But mm. the, the point remains that since that case— the leader of the religion that their rights were supposedly infringed upon by these regulations came out and said, this is not infringe upon your religion. Yes. So that'll be an interesting little wrinkle. I mean, yeah. it's not going to matter. It, 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 it's uh, not yeah. going to matter. Well, I mean, it doesn't it matter should. in our country, which separates church and state. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, very broken. But this still is all the segment in which we're talking about, uh, the president's granddaughter. Um, <laughs> Count it. Yeah. But anyway, so hopefully, hopefully not doing lobbying. Yes. Um, maybe it's litigation or maybe, maybe it's just basic transactional work, you know? Oh, and, it, oh, eh. oh. and if you work with contracts and don't use contract tools, you're missing a lot. Save time, make more money, and do a better job for your clients with Contract Tools by Paper Software. Contract Tools is the most powerful word add-in for working with contracts. Thousands of lawyers all over the world rely on contract tools every day for every kind of deal. Visit papersoftware.com to watch a demo and get a free trial. As a special offer for podcast listeners... Use coupon code LTN2020 to get one month free. That's papersoftware.com and LTN2020. So there was another interesting order handed down in Delaware Chancery Court. I know as most listeners, I assume you monitor the Delaware Chancery docket every day. I mean, I, I know I do. Uh, do you now? No. That's... <laughs> uh, but the, there's been a new... A new decision handed down about a lawyer and dress codes. It was a. Is there a decision about about dress codes? This seems. This is. Old. It, it is an order, though. Though, in fairness, the judge wasn't even clear it had to be an order. The last line is something like, "To the extent this has to be an order, it is so ordered." But a litigant, uh, well, not a litigant, a lawyer in the case appeared in a Zoom trial and spoke, and the judge, according at least according to, uh, well. As it develops, apparently, this lawyer says he was maligned by the judge just because he refused to wear a tie, which put aside whether or not you need to wear a tie. The order, though, points out that, well, you say not wear a tie, but, you know, you were wearing pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) So, so. So there are some differences for Zoom trials than in-person trials. Hey, I mean, we already had a, a story earlier this year about the dude who showed up to the trial shirtless. So, hey. So maybe not. Oh, okay, there's a lot to unpack here. I think, mm-hmm. first of all, professional attire in courtrooms is probably not going away. And that's probably fine. Whether or not ties are part of it, I suppose, is a question brought up by this case. Right. Well, so once the pajama gate part was over, uh, <laughs> he was informed. Was he really wearing just pajamas? Well, it's unclear. Well, the, so ju- the judge says it could have been a pre-printed, like a print t-shirt, but okay. he said it wasn't clear. Anyway, 
after being informed that you had to dress better, the guy came in a sports coat and an open collared shirt. And the judge was still... Judge was still upset about that. And that's the part where the guy is basing his motion that he was maligned because he wasn't wearing a tie. Obviously, it's a little bit more than that. Put aside whether or not sports coats and shirts are reached the appropriate level Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. business attire. They they decided it did not. The guy said he had a health condition that prevented him from wearing ties. Is it the same health condition that prevents people from not wearing masks during a pandemic? I'm sure sure it's similar. Uh, (laughs) But as it turns out, the judge said, well, one, these are all things you could have told me beforehand. Uh, Agree. Uh, You didn't. You now said that... Also, you showed up first in pajamas. Man, yeah, yeah. So you have showed up at this point and now have said that you have a health condition, and I will take you at your word on that, at least for the sake of this order. And this order will be, you can wear a suit with a dress shirt that doesn't have a tie, assuming within the next 10 days you file under seal some medical reason why you can't wear a tie. And that's how uh, this story ends. I don't know, man. First of all, it's interesting to have a man be the center of a dress code case. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Because normally it's women who are attacked for this sort of thing. And it, I generally find that when when women are under scrutiny for their attire, there's a lot of terrible misogyny underlying a lot of these these complaints. Sure. But don't show up in pajamas. Yeah. Like um, and, and and as an as a necessary reality, everything you say after you've already shown up in pajamas is going to be tainted by the fact that you initially showed, showed up, up in pajamas. Yeah. Yeah. Like every like I can't take you seriously when you say, Oh, I have a medical condition that says I can't wear a tie when your first impulse was to show up in pajamas. See, the part that gets me though, and I I generally am on the judge's side here, but it does get me when he he says in a in a footnote explaining the importance of a dress code. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's proper attire for court is to project a unified recognition of the solemnity of the occasion, meaningful gesture to reflect respect for litigants, their cause, the counsel, and the judge of the court. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. However, he also points out before he says that is like I suspect this goes without saying the reason judges on robes and counsel in business attire. And I'm like, you know, there's a good point. Why do we let the judge get away wearing a moo-moo <laughs> and then pretend it's all about looking professional? Like, we've given them the ultimate license to wear pajamas every day. But no, no, they don't have a license to wear pajamas. They have license to wear a very specific uniform. If a judge showed up in anything besides a black moo-moo, right? Yeah, but I then, guess. then it would be cause for, for note. But it's not wear whatever you want. It's you have to wear this mm. very specific thing. And as a result of all judges wearing this very specific thing, we have a very specific set of reactions when we see someone in that very specific uniform, right? right. Like it's yeah. it's not licensed to do whatever. Is it more comfortable than other attire? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, they usually wear, I mean, you can usually see for men shirts and ties sticking out the top, a mm-hmm. jabot for women. Yeah. It was a sneak promo for my Oh, for do you have a podcast called that? I do have a podcast you do. called Interesting. Okay. Anyway, so but but you know, there's usually something in addition to the robe that that lends an additional sort of level and there there is business straight business tire underneath that as well. Yeah. I mean, so you say. 
again, it's not pajamas. Yeah. Well. I mean, it isn't. Yeah. Fair enough. But, but it's trying to convey solemnity. And I'm like, that but, seems but like at a this point, silly. Uh, maybe when the first judicial yeah. robe happened, it didn't. But at this point, a yeah. black robe says judge. Says yeah. It says it says Solid. all those things. Yeah. It's a uniform. It's not nothing. And if I think actually the fact that it is a gender neutral uh, uniform and there isn't some sort of massive departure for women is prob- or for gender nonconforming folks is probably a good thing. Yeah, that's fair. There's no good segue from courts to this. I, well, I, it was Delaware Chancery Court, and that usually involves law firms. And so... I don't even know. How have law firms weathered previous economic <laughs> downturns and come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn, lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash like a lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again. You're obviously not trying hard enough. There is a clear tie-in right there. Ooh, what was it? Yeah, it's because this guy wore pajamas because it's had at home because of a pandemic. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Like and so, yeah. Like, how, how like, do you, yeah, yeah. Like like how had you know? Obviously, the pandemic is affecting trials now that we have Zoom trials and people feel they can get away with pajamas. Mm-hmm. I wonder what else the pandemic has impacted. Yeah. See, see how yeah, that was see? a better intro to you. Well, maybe if you want to take on oh, any not. of the job. Oh, I'm not taking on that work. See, <laughs> I, mm. I I much prefer criticizing when you do a poor right. job. Right? No, I mean, I I've I, I've noticed over the the course of this. This is the first time I've ever criticized your ad read. Mm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm Let's go sure. to the videotape. Actually, there's no video. <laughs> there's no video. Um, audio tape. So, hey, they, they are in fact public. All of these conversations. So. It's true. Anyway. So somebody's um, listening to them. <gasps> it's Christmas time. Yes. So it is a holiday time. So we thought, uh, well, I thought that I would spring on you the the real the real lesson of the season, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. the Hallmark Channel is going to make a bunch of movies. Oh, they sure. No, they already have made. That is true. Scores of movies. They have. They have. They have. But I I did a little digging. Uh, did you now? Yeah. On um, both. Hallmark and the Lifetime Network, their original movies that are for the mm-hmm. 2020 season. I, I think, now, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't watch a lot of these, but the you general- should. they're fantastic. The general formula here is that someone has a job, usually a professional job. It can be architect, it can be banker, it mm-hmm. many times can be lawyer. And then somewhere along the line, their job is going to get in the way of probably marrying somebody from their hometown who they abandoned years ago. Something like that, right? That's basically every one of these? Well, okay. First of all, it's a lot of them. But but fundamentally, what the movies are about are nostalgia, first of all, mm. uh, and also uh, finding comfort in family and tradition and love. Blah. So uh, let's begin. The first one that I see on the... Uh, so wait, 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 wait. Okay. Yeah. They've been doing these movies for... Years, yes. Ever. So but they put out a list every year of the, like, the new ones, because they do, like, they churn out like eight, nine, ten of these every year. Per network. Yeah, right. So there are scores of them. The first one that I see from their their current crop that involves an attorney is Christmas by Starlight airing December 17th at 10. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Annie 
a lawyer, must help her loved ones this holiday season. Her family's restaurant, the Starlight Cafe, is slated for demolition. The heir to the development firm responsible, William, makes her an unlikely proposition. He'll spare the cafe if Annie spends the week appearing as his legal counsel. His father is demanding he hire in the wake of some costly mistakes. See, now this inverts that formula, right? The lawyer mm. is not the one who has forgotten their family and and all these you know traditional values. This is the, the lawyer is the one who is trying to save their family's business. Okay, well, so here's the deal. I'm yeah. pretty sure Annie is a corrupt big law person, and here's why. I wouldn't work for you for a million dollars. How about two? Really? <laughs> yeah. She, no, no, she's no, bought no, no. and sold. No, that's no, no, no. This is this is no, no. Uh, clearly, in this particular, I, obviously, I haven't seen it yet, but. Obviously, the the man, the developer, fills the role of your corporate bad guy, right? They're the one who uh, can stop the bad thing from happening. They're the one who has $2 million to throw about. Yeah. The description here, he actually, well, this isn't from Hallmark proper, but from the website that compiles the descriptions, describes it as lawyer doing unusual pro bono work. And I'll tell you, $2 million, not, not pro, pro bono. bono. Not pro yeah. bono. No. Uh, yeah. But- no, there, there is that. But I also think that lawyers are frequently used in these genre of movies to be that kind of um, the person who has the knowledge who can stop the problem, mm. but not necessarily. But there is also a separate genre, which is like big city lawyer comes like my, one of my all time favorites. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air star Tatiana Ali a couple of years ago started a movie, I think. I can't remember the name of it, but it was, she was a big law attorney. She's about mm-hmm. to make partner. She misses a call from her, her special needs sister who then dies, by the way. She misses the call and then she goes back to like sort out her sister's estate and then her sister's attorney, who I think she had some previous relationship with, of course, says that in order for her to inherit the family house that her sister was the, the heir to, uh, she has to like live in her hometown for 30 days. Now that is the prototypical, I think it's Christmas Everlasting. That one, that one is like the prototypical big law lawyer, bad, blah, blah, blah. So rather than talk about movies from years ago, we'll continue talking about the ones from this year. I mean, uh, th- we live in an internet age, Joe. I am that's fair. positive you can go see this movie anytime you want. Maybe, all right. So uh, Lifetime Network has the Christmas setup. The Mm. Christmas setup follows the story of New York lawyer Hugo, who heads to Milwaukee with his best friend Madeline to spend the holidays with his mom, Kate, who is also in charge of local Christmas celebrations. What a fucking coincidence. Uh, (laughs) Ever the matchmaker, Kate arranges for Hugo to run into Patrick, Hugo's high school friend and secret crush who has recently returned after a successful stint in Silicon Valley. As they enjoy the local holiday festivities together, Hugo and Patrick's attraction to each other is undeniable, and it looks as though Kate's Santa-style matchmaking is a success. But... Dun, dun, dun! As Hugo receives word of a big promotion requiring a move to London, he must decide what is more important to him. He's going to choose love. Uh, is this the one is that he? Andy... I, 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 I was interested, because I, I don't know how this is going to end. That's the best part about all these movies. You absolutely know how they're going to end. I, That's I, what I, makes them so fantastic and comforting for your soul. Um, is this the one that Andy McDowell is in? I don't think so. Is she not Maybe. Kate? I thought, I thought um, she was Kate. Because I've, I've seen an ad for one of them where... 
Andy McDowell's is, is the mom of someone and is the matchmaker. I, I think I think it's probably her. No, this is Fran Drescher. Fran, oh, even better. Yeah. This is so yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm definitely watching this. And I don't know if you saw in the beginning of the pandemic, um, some meme was going around about how folks who deal with anxiety, and obviously that's a supercharged during the pandemic, like watching the same movies and the same television shows over and over because they know exactly what's going to happen and that's comforting. Mm. And that's kind of what this, this, these Hallmark sesh, you know, whatever network actually makes them because there's a bunch of them, but the kind of prototypically the, the Hallmark Christmas movies, even though you may not have seen that exact movie before, it is still that same, you know exactly what's going to happen. You can do other things while it's on and still kind of generally catch up like, oh, what did I miss? This, this this is why David Lynch needs to make a Christmas movie um, so that none of <laughs> that will, happens. It will not be on the Lifetime Network. Though. None of that happens. So let's see. Uh, be, well, let's do another Lifetime before going back to Hallmark. Christmas on Wheels. Ashley returns to her home ta- her small hometown to care for her uncle who recently broke his ankle when she learns that he has sold her mom's vintage red convertible, a car that holds many wonderful Christmas memories for Ashley. She is disappointed. But with the help of Duncan, her uncle's attorney... Ashley is reunited with the car and restores it to its former glory and fills it up with gifts for the community just as her mother used to do. As she reconnects with happy Christmas memories, she feels torn about her plans to return to the big city and what she may be leaving behind. Yeah, I mean, if anything, what I would say the problem with this genre of movie is that it demonizes city living and makes it seem like true love and happiness cannot happen within the confines of Manhattan or something like that. Yeah, like it it, it embraces this kind of Naziist pastoralism. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a concern. No, in fairness, I, they say small town. I, but from the clip I've seen of this, it's in Washington State. So I can't imagine how, like, I mean, there are small towns, obviously, in Washington, but I feel as though this is like Seattle, which strikes me as less small city, but whatever. Also, why the hell are they in a convertible at Christmas? I mean, I know Christmas in the Pacific Northwest is more mild, but it's still not, you don't, you don't put the top down. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Well, uh, I have only one more that I was able to find of originals from this year, which is Back to Hallmark, what? Oh, I figured out the name of the Andy McDowell one. It's oh. dashing in December. Right, but there's no lawyers involved. But for that, it's the same plot as the Fran Drescher one. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that I wasn't, like, going crazy. I didn't think you were. You know. Well, that might mean uh, about y- that. You know. About that. So, the final one we have is the Hallmark Channel, Christmas with the Darlings. The description is, just before the holidays, Jessica Liu who's played by Katrina Love, so it puts that in parentheses right yes. afterwards. So it actually reads, just before the holidays, Jessica Liu, L-E-W-L-A-W, <laughs> which, all right, but I figured it out. Just before the holidays, Jessica Liu is ending her tenure as the assistant to her wealthy boss to use her recently earned law degree within his company, but offers to You're not help- allowed to have a job while you're in law school. I mean, there are night school and stuff like that. That is a, that is a thing, but- I mean, mm. no, I mean, there, there really is. I mean, New York sure, Law yes, School for yes, years has course, operated on course. that, but still. But she's managed to earn a law degree while working as a guy's assistant, so that's good for her. Uh, recently earned law degree within his company, but offers to help his charming younger brother as he looks after his orphaned nieces and nephew over Christmas. First of all, they're not really orphaned, right? Like, the wealthy boss still lives. It's no. just 
No, I, I would imagine they have another sibling that has passed. Oh, interesting. See, I, I was interpreting it as the wealthy boss can't bother to no, go home. No, I just, no, I, I don't. Having, I, do, I don't think that that's what it'll be. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But my guess is that there's some additional family member that has passed. Oh, maybe. Also, like some like surprise tearjerker moments are a big part of the genre as well. Hmm. Yeah. So this one, um, this is a person who has recently earned a law degree, and I think it speaks for all of us who've dealt with people who've just learned their law degree to know that they get in annoying arguments for no reason, and they're usually wrong. Where are the raisins? What, raisins? You can't have raisins in Christmas cookies. Of course you can. No, it's either shortbread or sugar. I like shortbread. I like sugar. See? I like oatmeal raisin. No. No oatmeal raisin. I can't believe I'm explaining to you the rules of Christmas cookies. <laughs> the only rule is that they have to be shaped into something Christmassy, like a Santa or a star. No, that is 100% not true. It's 100% true if I say it is. Oh, that this is, not true. is the thing no, that no. you're going to rebel against? We all have our chosen battlefields. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Yeah. That, see, that, see I, I appreciate the attorney attempting to define things. Sure. Uh, it only needs to be shaped, which isn't true. But I understand the, the argument. I believe that... Uh, also, that, I've never seen a cinnamon raisin cookie shaped... Oatmeal raisin, but yeah. Okay, no, so, yeah, sorry. exactly. Oatmeal raisin. I've never seen an oatmeal raisin cookie in a tree shape or a Santa shape. And, and, and I think How would just, you even do it? Yeah, like it's not the kind of cookie that holds shapes particularly well. That's why things like sugar cookies or butter cookies or, or shortbread get a tradition as being Christmas cookies because they are easily shaped. There are different yeah. kinds of dough involved and there's different amounts of spreading involved. But like a gingerbread cookie holds a shape and also the fact that the guy never mentioned a gingerbread cookie when that is obviously a staple of the Christmas cookie genre mm. is unforgivable. But- the point remains that there are different types of cookies for different kinds of jobs. And you could have oatmeal raisin cookies at Christmas if you would like to eat them, but don't, they're not, if your definition, there's nothing Christmassy. Defi- yes, there's nothing yes. inherently Christmassy about them, first of all. Second of all, even if I say, well, if you made them with your family, count it, whatever, if your definition of a Christmas cookie is that it has to be shaped, you've already lost because there are no shaped Oatmeal raisin cookies. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I completely yeah, if, if that's your definition, you've already lost. Yeah, this is. Because those are going to spread. Yeah, this is poorly. This, this is, is poorly one, researched. This 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 yeah, movie. This is yes. This is like oh, let's have her be argumentative for the sake of being argumentative, as opposed to thinking this is not written by a lawyer who actually says, well, this is the consequence of your argument, right? If you propose a definition, your thing has to necessarily meet that definition, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you don't meet. If you don't meet your own definition, you're right. going to lose. I I think that's right. This is also December seventeenth at two. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, but yes, that was Christmas with the Darlings, which is thematically similar to the title Christmas with the Cranks, which actually is written by a lawyer. So, yeah, because who wrote Christmas um, with the Cranks? The the guy, the Pelican Brief. Yeah, the firm, John Grisham. John Grisham. Yeah, yeah, a little bit outside his usual genre, uh, but yes. Yeah. So, but good job. That was uh, that was today's trivia question. Anyway. <laughs> So with that, uh, I, I think, think I've actually asked that as a Christmas. As I think a, you have too. Anyway, so trivia question of the day. Yes, yes. On above the law, if you aren't reading it, you should be. And there's a trivia question there uh, every day, and uh, that was one yeah, of them. That was definitely one of them. So yes, definitely read above the law. Definitely subscribe to this show. Definitely give it reviews. Write some things. 
helps move up the uh, various algorithms. You should listen to the aforementioned Jabot, which Catherine talked about, her podcast. You should listen to the Legal Tech Weekly Roundup. I think it's Legal Tech Week. Yes, I think that's it. Anyway, point is uh, where we talk about legal tech stuff. Uh, you should check out all of the sponsors, uh, LexisNexis Interaction, Contract Tools by Paper Software, and Lexicon. Uh, you should be following us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. And I think now, I did those in slightly different order to kind of shake it up, but I think now we're done. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye.